It lays the predicate and the foundation for the development of a weather satellite that will permit man to determine the world's cloud layer and ultimately to control the weather. And he who controls the weather will control the world. Another week in the planetary asylum has come and gone. Joe Biden's holiday message on coronavirus, quote, our darkest days are ahead of us, end quote. Thanks, Joe, and you would know. Just like Fauci and Gates also knew. But no matter what the controllers have planned, biosphere collapse is the bottom line. The CV-19 scenario is the controller response. This quote from former presidential advisor Zygmunt Brzezinski. He said, Shortly, the public will be unable to reason or think for themselves. They'll only be able to parrot the information they've been given on the previous night's news. End quote. Again, Zygmunt Brzezinski, one of the darkest and most diabolical human beings ever to walk among us. And yes, advisor to presidents of both so-called political parties, going all the way back to U.S. President Lyndon Johnson. Brzezinski finally died in 2017. This is Dane Wigginton with GeoengineeringWatch.org. The commercial-free Global Alert News Hour starts now, covering the reports that are most directly connected to our near-term collective survival. About Brzezinski's statement, let me cover that one more time so it sinks in. Shortly, the public will be unable to reason or think for themselves. They'll only be able to parrot the information they've been given on the previous night's news. Yes, the power structure propagated constantly flowing river of total disinformation. The holidays always provide a considerable advantage for the power structure. It's a time of year when the vast majority of the population doesn't even want to hear about unpleasant realities, let alone to consider them. This scenario is especially true this year. But if we turn away from the truth, we do so at our own peril. In this news hour, the CV-19 controller's strategy and outcomes, if we remain on the current course. And about our skies, how many are still not looking up? How many are even now not willing to conduct research, honest research, into the ongoing atmospheric aerosol spraying operations and the long and growing list of consequences from them? Soon to be existential consequences if allowed to continue. On that note, let's rewind the clock some 40 years for a large dose of mainstream media and power structure disinformation on the subject of climate engineering, not admitted to in this audio clip, of course, from 40 years ago. This is from ABC. Listen carefully to the, quote, beneficial jet-created clouds, or so they would have us believe. Here it is. Listen carefully. On clear days, you can often see long white lines being traced high in the sky. They are contrails of jet aircraft, actually long, slender clouds. Weathermen are finding them especially fascinating because a theory is being developed that those long white lines may be changing our weather for the better. Details from Roger O'Neill. The exhaust from jet engines, usually seen as long, thin trails of white clouds behind high-flying jet airplanes, may be a big reason why there are 30 fewer days of sunshine a year in the Midwest now than there were in 1900. The daily range between high and low temperatures has also narrowed. Weather researchers studying cloud cover in 10 Midwestern states found a sharp increase in cloudiness with the increase in commercial jet travel. 
Particularly in the main east-west jet corridor, there were even more clouds. A jet produces a contrail, or a cloud, because its exhaust consists primarily of water vapor. In the absence of natural clouds, given the correct atmospheric condition, jet aircraft in high frequency can almost completely cover the atmosphere, visible atmosphere, with clouds. Simonin says unlike most changes in the atmosphere caused by man, this one is beneficial. Clouds help farmers in the Midwest by blocking the sun. Temperature extremes can damage plants and speed up the evaporation of soil moisture. In the winter, city people benefit because clouds act as a blanket, preventing warm air from escaping into the atmosphere. No one is trying to make clouds now using jet engines, but this study suggests that jet travel is inadvertently making our days more cloudy. And someday, weather researchers may be able to use jets on purpose to change our weather. Roger O'Neill, NBC News, Champaign, Illinois. The official narrative that the jet aircraft expanding lingering filth we so often see in our skies is just, quote, contrails, is perhaps the greatest lie ever perpetrated on populations around the world. What we're seeing is a sprayed aerosol particulate dispersion in almost all cases. This isn't speculation. It's an inarguable fact proven by countless film footage clips, up-close photos of retrofit nozzles mounted on the wing pylons and aimed into the engine exhaust jet stream. There are government documents, some of them 800 pages long, posted at geoengineeringwatch.org, lab tests from all over the world, including at-altitude tests conducted by geoengineeringwatch.org to be published in the coming documentary, The Dimming, which prove climate engineering aerosols are being released by heavy aircraft at altitude, And there's this need-to-know fact. All commercial jet aircraft and all military tankers are equipped with a high-bypass turbofan jet engine, a jet-powered fan. 90% of the air that moves through this engine is not combusted. Thus, by design, the high-bypass turbofan jet engine is nearly incapable of producing any condensation trail except under rare and extreme circumstances. Geoengineering atmospheric spraying operations were first fully deployed at scale just after World War II. Historical documentation proves this. And what we know is being dispersed, what we already know, is highly toxic in and of itself. Each element is highly toxic, aluminum, barium, polymer fibers. But when you start to mix these elements together, and then you combine mercury, which is in the atmosphere from coal-fired power plants, it's in our mouths from amalgam fillings, it's in our water, it's in our toothpaste. When you combine these elements, now you have, in the case of aluminum and mercury, what's known as synergistic toxicity. And the combination of those two elements, for example, can drive up the total toxicity as much as 100 times, 10,000% worse. Is it any wonder that Alzheimer's, dementia, ALS, all of these diseases and a lot more are completely epidemic and getting worse by the day? But there's more to this story, and it's even darker. What else might such atmospheric spraying be used for? Though historical records confirm that the U.S. military conducted, at a minimum, 239 open-air biological tests on U.S. civilians, innocent civilians, as of the late 70s. They wouldn't do that to us now, would they? What a naive notion that would be. On to the bigger truths, the bigger story of what's unfolding, of what mainstream media is doing their best to hide from the public until the last possible moment. It's much darker, it's much deeper, it's much more dire. To understand just how dire, let's look at another quote from former U.S. presidential advisor Zygmunt Brzezinski, who also stated the following on the record, quote, 
Major world powers, new and old, also face a novel reality. While the lethality of their military might be greater than ever, their capacity to impose control over the politically awakened masses of the world is at a historic low. Brzezinski went on to say this, quote, To put it bluntly, in earlier times it was easier to control one million people than to physically kill one million people. And then Brzezinski says this, quote, Today, it is infinitely easier to kill one million people than to control one million people, end quote. Let that sink in. Less than five months before Brzezinski finally died, Dr. Anthony Fauci stated the following on the record. I've played this before in this broadcast, but please listen again. It's very important and it plugs into everything I've already covered. Listen carefully. A pandemic uh, preparedness. And if there's one message that I want to leave with you today based on my experience, and you'll see that in a moment, is that there is no question that there will be a challenge to the coming administration in the arena of infectious diseases, both chronic infectious diseases in the sense of already ongoing disease, and we have certainly a large burden of that, but also there will be a surprise outbreak. But also, Fauci says, there will be a surprise outbreak. Not a surprise to Fauci, was it? Wasn't a surprise to Bill Gates, who was conducting a global COVID pandemic drill at the exact moment before the event unfolded. Not a coincidence. When we have peer-reviewed study that proves the gain-of-function characteristic of this virus did not come from nature. It came from labs in the U.S. and China, in Wuhan, in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. In fact, on the University of North Carolina's own website, what they call this lab now is, quote, Carolina's Coronavirus Lab. How convenient. Again, this is the gain-of-function characteristic in this virus that allowed it to make the jumps to human. Not an act of nature, engineered, and why isn't that front and center in any conversation about this issue? Front and center, not nature. Though we have endless waves of power structure propaganda doing everything they can to blame every pathogen that surfaces on nature. Simply covering the tracks of the biolabs all over the globe, controlled by power structures and their tentacles all over the globe. The mainstream media's fever-pitched pushing of the CV-19 vaccine concoctions is truly astounding. Power structure politicians and celebrities are now shown getting their CV-19 vaccination, or so we're led to believe. And then they go on and on about how lucky they feel to have gotten it. How transparent... Can all this orchestrated theater be? And any who still believe that the controllers have our best interest in mind should radically rethink their view of reality. The medical industrial complex and the military industrial complex do not exist to protect global populations. They exist for their own ends. The hour is indeed late. Unfolding events were not triggered by random acts of nature though the circumstances we collectively face are indeed directly connected to nature, or rather the implosion of it, the accelerating collapse of Earth's life support systems and the controller's response on many fronts to this rapidly unfolding scenario. The CV-19 scenario is front and center. The following question should be considered. What fate may someday soon await those 
who dare to try and expose the truth, like Julian Assange. Consider this new headline report from CNN, quote, 10 years in prison for illegal streaming, question mark. And then the headline states this, it's in the COVID-19 relief bill. Again, from CNN. Many criminals and even murderers have just been pardoned, while Assange, for the crime of exposing the truth, rots away behind bars. Similar tales can be told from so many previous administrations, and no doubt will reoccur very soon again in the future, no matter who holds that office. In a moment, many critically important breaking reports from the front lines on the issues that pose the greatest and most immediate threat to all of us, issues on which our collective fate most depends. First, my deepest gratitude to each and every individual that's doing their best to stay informed, to wake others with credible data from a credible source, and to help turn the tide of insanity that we find ourselves drowning in. Thank you for your help with sounding the alarm. It's our collective efforts that can yet make a difference at this late hour. This is Dane Wigington. You're listening to the Global Alert News Hour, episode number 281, December 26, 2020. In this broadcast, lots and lots of dire news, bad news, but it's critical information that covers the issues we must face if we're to have any chance of changing course. This commercial-free frontline news broadcast is brought to you by geoengineeringwatch.org and paid for by geoengineeringwatch.org. This news hour is broadcast throughout Northern California. On KQMS, 1670 AM, 104.9 FM, and 105.7 FM. Saturday mornings from 6 to 7 AM. Sunday mornings, same time slot, repeat broadcast. KQMS is the largest news talk radio station north of Sacramento. Recordings of this broadcast can be found at geoengineeringwatch.org under the recent top stories and radio sections. The latest Geoengineering Watch awareness raising printed materials can be ordered from the homepage of geoengineeringwatch.org for our approximate cost of producing and shipping Consider for a moment that a picture is worth a thousand words as the proverb goes. The printed highly visual materials are exponentially more effective at waking others than anything that can be conveyed verbally. These are highly visual materials, extremely high quality. We pass them on at what amounts to a small loss for us. We simply want to get them into circulation as fast as possible. We are rapidly running out of time. Those in the Reading area of Shasta County can pick up free geoengineering watch materials from the vitamin section at Orchard Nutrition. Moving on. First, I want to revisit this question. How many times by how many sources and elected officials and big farmer representatives will we be told that the entire scenario we face was just some random act of nature, which is verifiably, completely false? How many have seen the various mainstream media propaganda pieces that blame nature for any and every new pathogen that pops up? What a transparent farce. No mention, of course, about the 400-plus pathogen research and development biolabs that are scattered all over the world, controlled by the power elite that have long since stated on the record that their agenda was global population reduction. It's up to all of us to see through the smoke and mirrors and connect the dots to form a clear picture of what is unfolding and why. Voltaire said this, those who can make you believe absurdities can make you commit atrocities. I've given that quote before in the past, but it's necessary again. That quote should be pondered at great length. On that note, from thehill.com, this headline from last week, Tucker Carlson, coronavirus vaccine rollout, quote, 
feels false and, quote, too slick, end quote. This headline, let's connect all these dots. This is also from last week. COVID-19 again. New strain found in Italy, Denmark, Netherlands, Australia, and Gibraltar. As geoengineeringwatch.org has stated from the beginning of the CV-19 scenario, the CV-19 fires would continue to be stoked as those in power chose by ever more virulent and or infectious forms of this pathogen. Let's move on to this headline, which fits together with these previous points. From last week, amid evolving strains, COVID-19 vaccines likely need updates. Former FDA chief states, that's covered from Fox News. Sounds like a needle-jabbing fiesta is being scheduled for us all, isn't it? And this headline, also from last week, half of U.S. states want to prioritize black and Hispanic people in vaccine rollout. Sounds a lot like the experiments on people of color in many nations, doesn't it? India, Africa, the populations that are used for big pharma guinea pigs. From multiple sources, CDC has officially acknowledged that it has quietly created a new mortality category, PIC, that's the acronym, which groups pneumonia, influenza, and COVID-19 together and reports them all as CV-19 deaths. That's convenient for them, isn't it? This leads into a bigger picture. Stay with me. Please put all these dots where you can remember them and let's weave them together. From the Wall Street Journal and many other sources, nursing homes grapple with staff hesitant to get the CV-19 vaccine. From that report, nearly 72% of certified nursing assistants say they don't want to be vaccinated. A recent survey found. We can say no to the warp speed vaccine concoction for now. But can we hide from what's lurking in our air? Or should I say being dispersed into our breathable air column? And again, there's the backdrop, the background of unfolding abrupt climate and environmental collapse on which everything else depends. If those scenarios continue on their current course, nothing else will matter soon. And in fact, the immediate scenarios we face, as I've stated over and over, will continue to every week. The CV-19 scenario is directly connected to that background scenario. It is the controller response to it. Listen carefully to the following four science studies and excerpts that convey some clue about just how dangerous nanoparticulates are when inhaled. And keep this in mind, the primary elements named in climate engineering patents and showing up in lab tests all over the world, including recent at altitude tests, are materials like aluminum, barium, polymer fibers, and these are nanoparticulates, which fits into everything I'm about to cover. Here's the first headline. Quote, mechanisms of lung fibrosis, such as nanoparticulates, induce epithelial injury. Epithelial is the very thin surface tissue of bodily cells. Mechanisms of lung fibrosis irritants, such as nanoparticles, the report states, induce epithelial injury resulting in infiltration of immune cells at the site of tissue injury. 
The report then states, this can in turn activate cytokine growth receptor cascade. Translation, bad, very bad. Another headline from the International Journal of Molecular Sciences and Other Sources. This, susceptibility factors in chronic lung inflammation responses to engineered nanomaterials. And the stated goal of climate engineers for annual dumping as part of the geoengineering solar radiation management programs, the annual dumping of, in the case of aluminum, 10 to 20 million tons of nanoparticulates into the atmosphere annually. And what did Dr. David Keith, the world's most recognized geoengineer, say? Look him up. Find out who he is. Learn who he is. What did Dr. Keith say when confronted at an international geoengineering conference about his proposal of dumping 10 million tons of aluminum nanoparticulates into the atmosphere annually, which is enough aluminum nanoparticulates to contaminate the entire planet and every breath we take. Listen to yourself what Dr. Keith had to say about conducting such an insane operation. Listen carefully. Shows you can make very high quality and do this in just a jet in a very simple way, make high quality aluminum particles just by spraying aluminum vapor out, which oxidizes. So it's certainly in principle possible to do that. There's a big literature that's already looked at that. And you could do that by either building new versions of these aircraft or even re-engineering existing aircraft. So there's some ideas about that. So you go to an engineering firm and you want this done. They don't say this is hard or unusual. They say, okay, yes, we could do it. Aerosol geoengineering looks like it is so cheap that the cost is basically not going to be an issue. That means that implementation decisions will be risk-to-risk decisions. The risk of doing it against the risk of not doing it. And it makes the problem of how we govern it fundamentally harder and different than normal. So I've told you this, cheap to deliver materials in stratosphere, and I'm convinced that's true. I don't think that will change. But I think the more we do research, the less easy this will look, the more complicated the environmental effects will look. And that's a good thing, because right now it looks too easy. So I think that if we do more research, we're likely to find out that it's harder and more complicated than we thought, and that the side effects are harder to manage. Yes, Dr. Keith, the health effects are harder to manage. Dumping 10 to 20 million tons of aluminum nanoparticulates into the atmosphere annually, plus barium, plus strontium, plus manganese, plus polymer fibers. And the best he can say is the health effects are harder to manage. And it's not just what these elements do to us, again, or the combining of these elements, which creates synergistic toxicity, which makes them unimaginably more toxic. But they inflame our respiratory systems, thus making us much more susceptible to every imaginable form of pathogen, including CV-19, and we can't know what else may be in this mix. But what does Dr. Keith say about the morality of doing this? This is in the same conference, moments after the statement you just heard him make. Listen carefully. This is what he says about the morality of this being done in our atmosphere. And by the way, it's not really a moral hazard. It's more like free riding on our grandkids. Stop and ponder that for a moment. Dr. Key's statement, by the way, it's not really a moral hazard. It's like free riding on our grandkids. Who gives people like this the right to decide that they can fill our atmosphere with highly toxic elements, permanently contaminating the surface of the planet, our air column, and all of us? These materials are extremely bioavailable, which means they're very readily absorbed by the 
human organism and every other organism, and they're extremely bioaccumulative. They build up in the environment. They build up in us. They're almost impossible to get rid of. And people like this think they have the right to use the atmosphere for a physics lab to do whatever they want because they can. And he has the audacity to say it's not really a moral hazard. It's like free riding on our grandkids. There is no morality in such people. And the system is filled with them, absolutely filled with them. Now listen to the question that was asked at that conference. I'm the one asking the question. I was one of three journalists there that was allowed to ask a question, and I was banned after that conference from the subsequent conferences in this tour because I asked this question. Listen to what Dr. Keith states. It is truly astounding. Listen carefully. Carved California Air Quality Resource Board have named submicron-sized particulates as being particularly harmful for human respiration. Through all the discussions today, uh, I have not heard any mention of this fallout. And has has this been studied? And also the effects of a highly reactive metal like aluminum on toxifying soils and waters. The question is, what would be the effects of these materials on human health if they came down into the stratosphere? In, uh, in, in particular, uh, small particles and aluminum. So, so the, the collaborators in my working on the aerosol scheme are actually folks from Carnegie Mellon who focused on human health impacts. And while we haven't published it, that was the very first thing we did, was do the order of magnitude calculation in level pencil and paper, but with an expert on human health impacts about whether there could be an issue. And, and for aluminum or other particles, there are a lot of toxicological things that need to get looked at seriously. But if you're just thinking about the sheer number of particles and the human health impact of small particles, the answer is, well, we haven't published it. That was the first thing we looked at with some of the leading experts who do uh, epidemiological research on human health impacts, and it's not even close to the issue. 10 megatons of aluminum dumped into the, the uh, atmosphere would have no human health impact. So, so let me be more careful here. We're to separate out the toxicological, but so the alumina we've only begun to research and published nothing on anything serious on alumina, and so there could be something terrible that we'll find tomorrow we haven't looked at. Let's kick all this around for just a moment. Again, consider the two science reports I covered before the audios from Dr. David Keith. Reports that state how incredibly harmful nanoparticulates are of any element let alone the extremely toxic elements used in climate engineering. So what did Dr. Keith state in response to my question to him at this international conference? As a researcher at the conference, again, one of only three that was allowed to ask any questions, I was banned after that. When I asked him, had there been any studies done of the toxicological effects of dumping 10 million tons of aluminum nanoparticulates into the atmosphere, Dr. Keith's initial response was, we've looked at this, I'm paraphrasing that there's so much material in the air anyway, a little more won't hurt. This is from the world's most recognized geoengineer. My follow-up question was, those elements are not aluminum nanoparticulates. Have you studied aluminum specifically? And what was Dr. Keith's response to that question? Quote, we haven't looked at aluminum. Could terrible things happen tomorrow? We don't know. This is from the world's most recognized, quote, expert, the world's most recognized geoengineering scientist, the face of public disinformation for this issue, which makes him an accomplice to 
unimaginable mortality, does it not? Now let's listen to an audio statement from one of Dr. Keith's accomplices, Dr. Ken Caldera, the second most recognized geoengineering scientist in the world. A geoengineering scientist that I've played the recording of on this broadcast of him stating one of the things he did for the U.S. Department of Defense was to design pathogens to seed into clouds to infect the populations below. Now Dr. Caldera works for, guess who? Bill Gates. Imagine that. Listen for a moment to this audio statement that Dr. Caldera made at this same geoengineering conference where I confronted Dr. David Keith. Listen carefully. I think the question is how do you draw the line between some activity uh, that is allowed and doesn't need global governance and activities that do require global governance? For clarity and for the record, let me restate what Dr. Ken Caldera, second most recognized geoengineer in the world, just stated. He said, how do you draw the line between activities that don't require global governance and activities that do require it? In their mind, the public doesn't have a right to know if they are being sprayed with tens of millions of tons of highly toxic nanoparticulates year in and year out building up in their systems. Is it any wonder that Alzheimer's is the number one cause of death in countries like the UK. It's officially third in the US, likely higher, and there's a, an absolute plethora of downstream diseases related to these elements. And these so-called scientists, these so-called experts, think that the public doesn't have a right to know what they are doing in the atmosphere in which we all have to breathe and try to survive. These are crimes of genocide, no, even omnicide, because these highly toxic particles are decimating the entire web of life down to the microbial level. And again, everything that I have just covered is inarguably connected to our common susceptibility to airborne pathogens like CV19 because at minimum, these highly toxic particles weaken our immune system, inflame our respiratory system, making us much, much more susceptible to airborne pathogens like CV-19. If you want to view this entire video and audio recording, it's only five minutes long in totality of this exchange at this International Geoengineering Conference. Search geoengineeringwatch.org. Geoengineer David Keith admits to dangers of spraying aluminum. View it for yourself, decide for yourself, and consider the ramifications. So back to the new science reports on just how lethal the airborne pathogens are. Here's yet another new science report from the Journal of Experimental and Molecular Medicine. This, Mechanisms of Ultrafine Particle-Induced Respiratory Health. And this science report from the McGill Journal of Medicine, quote, The Significance of Nanoparticles in Particle-Induced Pulmonary Fibrosis. So bouncing back to tying all these puzzle pieces together, to all those awake and aware individuals that are refusing to accept a completely experimental vaccine concoction from habitually deceptive and chronically criminal governments and big pharma corporations, consider that though you can perhaps for now avoid the needle, you must breathe. Those in power know this all too well. Please, please look up and consider the ramifications of what you can easily see. Climate engineering jet aircraft dispersions of already confirmed highly toxic heavy metal and polymer nanoparticles. And again, what else may be in that mix? 
without far more extensive testing on an ongoing basis all over the world, we can't say. The controllers can spray whatever they want, whenever they want, on whomever they want. And how many from the general population and the military personnel that are sworn to protect their citizens are all, in one way or another, carrying out on countless fronts the bidding of the controllers, the clinically insane controllers at the top of the power structure pyramid. We have seen the enemy and he is us. They could not do what they do without the active or passive support of the majority of the population and all those individuals that many of us live with, know, work with, family, that are part of corporations, part of organizations, part of government that facilitate this because they're just doing their job in their compartmentalized way. And that's how the cancer works. That's how the cancer operates. So in summary, a nanoparticle of any element when inhaled is extremely harmful, extraordinarily harmful. Nanoparticles of highly toxic elements like those described being sprayed into the atmosphere from climate engineering, weather, warfare operations are exponentially more harmful still. The geoengineering jet spraying operations are a form of biological warfare. And again, it would be a very naive notion not to consider the likelihood of biologicals being included in the aerosol operations we see so clearly occurring in our skies. So on that note, let's connect more dots in this equation. From numerous sources, including the LA Times and Futurism.com, this new headline, quote, faulty planes reportedly poisoned passengers on hundreds of flights, end headline. From that report, on hundreds of flights per year, dangerous chemicals leak into an airplane's air supply, poisoning pilots, crew, and passengers alike. And for years, the problem was largely swept under the rug. That's the main takeaway from a damning, horrifying investigation. This is all from the report. Just published in the LA Times, mechanical problems and leaks can contaminate air as it's sucked in through the engines, leading to long-term illness, severe brain damage, the report states, and even death. It's a serious problem, the report states, and one that only recently started to garner serious attention. That's not true. More on that in a moment. But this report continues to say this. There have been no large-scale studies on fume events. Reporting the events at all remains voluntary. And airlines have actively ignored efforts to solve the problem. Boeing even declined to install air quality sensors, arguing that their readings could be used against airlines in potential litigation, according to the investigation. Report then states, part of the reason the problem can be so readily ignored is that in many cases, the symptoms are minor and mirror those of jet lag. That allows the fume event to pass undetected among weary travelers, and oftentimes it's easy to pass the blame. Let's stop there. Consider the massive gaping hole in this report. The aircraft cabin air intake is upwind from engine components that are being blamed for aerotoxic syndrome, the contamination in question. Then we must ask this. Is it the outside air at altitude that's actually the problem? The air in the layers where the atmospheric aerosol dispersions are concentrated and now they're being sucked into the air cabin. And we know that these layers are unimaginably thick with aerosols because we, geoengineeringwatch.org, at great expense and immense difficulty, acquired a NOAA, National Atmospheric Administration, an atmospheric administration flying lab. We tested these particles at altitude and when going through this particulate dispersion layer, being emitted from heavy aircraft, the particulate levels were absolutely off the charts. Again, more of this will be published or posted 
and can be viewed in the film The Dimming. As soon as we finish, we're working as hard as we can on that. I appreciate everybody's patience because we are up against immense challenges with this effort. We're doing our best. But consider all the data just presented, that these aircraft are flying through these massively saturated particulate levels from climate engineering dispersions and what else is in this mix we can't know, we don't know, and how incredibly well would such a method of exposure into passenger aircraft help to distribute and disperse any form of pathogen anywhere, everywhere, all over the world. I'm not making any claims, but I am posing questions that should be, must be, answered. For more information on aerotoxic syndrome, which apparently official sources are just feeling they have to now disclose, we've addressed this issue at geoengineeringwatch.org in years past. Search these two titles, geoengineeringwatch.org, aerotoxic syndrome is affecting airline passengers and crews. And another report from geoengineeringwatch.org, search geoengineeringwatch.org, climate engineering contamination and aerotoxic syndrome. Please help us to share our data. That's what our site is for. That's our only goal, to pull back the curtain and expose the insanity once and for all while we still have anything left to salvage. Moving on, how are things going on the ground? That depends on which side of the power structure orchestrated fence that you find yourself on. From numerous sources, this recent report, quote, do lockdowns control the coronavirus? The evidence. Report states this, the use of universal lockdowns in the event of the appearance of a new pathogen has no precedent. It has been a science experiment in real time with most of the human population used as lab rats. The costs are legion. The question is whether lockdowns worked to control the virus in a way that is scientifically verifiable. Based on statistical studies, the answer is no, and for a variety of reasons. Bad data, no correlations, no causal demonstration, anomalous exceptions, and so on. There's no relationship between lockdowns, or whatever else people want to call them, to mask their true nature, no pun intended on the mask part, and virus control. This report continues with this. Perhaps this is a shocking revelation given that universal social and economic controls are becoming the new orthodoxy. In a more sane world, the burden of proof really should belong to the lockdowners since it is they who overthrew 100 years of public health health wisdom and replaced it with an untested top-down imposition of freedom and human rights. They never accepted that burden. The controllers that have locked societies down. They took it as an assumption that a virus could be intimidated and frightened by credentials, speeches, and masked armies. Again, if you think that those that are at the top of the power structure pyramid are actually concerned about protecting populations so that they can continue to expand and proliferate into the years to come, Please, do more research. Do more investigation. On the subject of masks, here's some updated statistics. I'm not offering my opinion. I'm not telling you what to do. I'm not telling you what's good or bad. I'm simply presenting data on which you should make up your own mind. How are the masks working out so far? Here's a statistical update from Shasta County, California. Before the mandatory masks, official CV-19 infections in the entire county were hovering at about 30. Since the mandatory mask provision was put in place, the official Shasta County CV-19 infection rate has skyrocketed to over 7,500. That's an increase of 250 times. That's a 25,000% increase. 
Wow, I need to pause on that statistic for a moment. Sure glad those masks are working so well to stop the viral expansion. A bit more on this subject. According to official sources like the CDC and mainstream media, as of 2020, any mask will do the job. A bandana or even a modified sock, it's all good. And doing a wonderful job of prevention, as the statistics I just quoted make clear. Only a 25,000% official increase of CV-19 infections since the mask mandate in Shasta County. How's the overall U.S. CV-19 protocol working out in general? For example, in comparison with China, more statistics. The U.S. officially is pushing 19 million as the official infection rate. China still hovering officially at about 86,000. So if we multiply the U.S. rate by four to make the U.S. rate comparable with China on a per capita basis, since China has four times the population, that would be like China having 76 million cases of CV-19. But they don't, or so we're told. They only have about 86,000 and are holding there. So on a per capita basis, using rounded numbers, the U.S. officially has almost 884 times more CV-19 cases, again, per capita. That's over 88,000% more cases per capita than China. What's wrong with this picture? On numerous points, what aren't we being told? And when will more of the population take the time to actually investigate for over a decade, geoengineeringwatch.org has stated that the U.S. population has the potential to be the greatest threat to the global power structure if they would just wake up in time, in time to make a difference. The controllers are actually acutely aware of this potential. Consider those pieces of the puzzle when trying to form a picture of what's unfolding and why. Here's more from the CDC, from numerous sources. CDC issues new guidelines, launches probe after thousands negatively affected following COVID-19 vaccination. From that report, thousands of people have been unable to work or perform daily activities or required care from a healthcare professional after getting the new COVID-19 vaccine, according to new data from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. I reviewed that data myself. As of December 18th, 3,150 people, 3,150 reported what the agency terms, quote, health impact events after getting vaccinated. The definition of the term is unable to perform normal daily activities, unable to work, required care from a doctor or healthcare professional, in quote. Didn't see much about that in mainstream media, did we? From MSNBC and other sources, FDA staff recommends watching for Bell's palsy in Moderna and Pfizer vaccine recipients. Covered some of that in last week's broadcast as well. And this headline from multiple sources, Chicago area hospital pauses COVID-19 vaccinations following, quote, allergic reactions. Please, I'm not asking anybody to believe any of these headlines. I'm asking you to research them, look them up yourself, decide for yourself what you need to be concerned about. Another headline, media blackout. Moderna's FDA report lists 13 total deaths, six in vaccine group, seven in placebo group. Seven in the placebo group? Was it really a placebo? We'll never know. It is important to recognize that the Pfizer COVID vaccine has not been approved by the FDA. It has only received emergency use authorization. That's acronym is EUA meaning the vaccine has not gone through the standard process of getting official approval from this regulatory agency. About the CB19 testing from multiple sources, PCR testing is extremely unreliable, in quote. 
From that report, the World Health Organization released a guidance memo on December 14th warning that high cycle thresholds on PCR tests will result in false positives. While this information is accurate, it has also been available for months. So why, we must ask, aren't they reporting it before? Why is it only being being reported now? We're being told by official sources that the, quote, PCR test is the gold standard for CV-19 testing. This is a lengthy report with considerable technical data, but here's the bottom line. The more cycles that are used in the PCR test, the more false positives that are created. So consider this. It's a new memo from the World Health Organization that states using high CT, which is called cycle threshold value, to test for the presence of SARS-CoV-2 will result in false positive results. To quote the World Health Organization's own words, users of the RT-PCR regions, that's the test, should read the IFU, that's the data for instruction, carefully to determine if manual adjustment of the PCR positivity threshold is necessary to account for any background noise which may lead to a specimen with a high cycle threshold, too many cycles, it's called a CT value, which will result in being interpreted as a positive result when it's not. Of course, none of this is new news to anyone who's been paying attention. That PCR test was manipulated and potentially highly inaccurate and has been one of the often repeated battle cries of those that are opposing the official 19 narrative in many ways and the policies that it's being used to push on populations. Many articles have been written about this by many experts in the field, medical journalists, other researchers. It's been commonly available knowledge for months that testing using a CT value, higher cycle thresholds over 35 is potentially meaningless. Dr. Kerry Mullis, who won the Nobel Peace Prize for inventing the PCR process, was clear that it wasn't meant as a diagnostic tool saying, quote, with PCR, if you do it well, you can find almost anything in anybody, end quote. Imagine that. So let's consider the PCR testing scenario, a testing procedure that Even the World Health Organization has now acknowledged as being scientifically flawed, a scientifically flawed testing method that can show many false positives. If the test method is revised just in time for the CV-19 vaccine concoction rollout, then in theory, the false positives would go down, the official infection rate would go down, and hey, the COVID-19 vaccine concoction is officially working, right? Mission accomplished, right? Will everything then go back to normal? Not exactly. What we're now being officially told is this, that they don't know if the vax concoctions will prevent the recipients from being contagious, that they don't know how long the promised personal immunity will last, if there even is any personal immunity, and you'll need at least two doses of the concoction just to get things going. And oh yeah, there's this little detail, the CB19 concoctions are completely experimental. Again, absolutely no long-term testing, no clue of the consequences, and virtually no liability for big pharma, no matter what happens. Remember that. Let's take a moment to boil down the big government, big pharma CV-19 vaccine scenario. The government funneled hundreds of billions of printed money from thin air, fiat money, to the medical industrial complex. Big pharma then whips up the warp speed concoctions in record time. Populations are then saddled with the debt incurred by big pharma 
the profit bonanza from creating the concoctions in the first place, Big Pharma sells their experimental untested warp speed concoctions back to the government and the public, making even more mass profit. And any and all health consequences from the warp speed concoctions are no concern for Big Pharma since our government has long since provided them total legal immunity for any and all death and injury caused by their concoctions. And further, any injuries that are caused from the warp speed creations are actually an additional source of revenue for the medical industrial complex. Question, how can they lose? Answer, they can't. With all this being said, it's imperative to remember this. The entire CV-19 scenario is not ultimately about profit. The true motives from those at the top of the power structure pyramid are far more dire. The planet's life support systems are collapsing. The controllers are, again, acutely aware of this fact, and they think that they have the right to choose who will live and who won't. Another question, how long will the majority of the population consent? How long? And this question, is there anywhere to hide from the insanity? Answer, no. The following headline should prove that point. Here's the headline from last week. Antarctica, COVID-19. The virus is now on every continent as Antarctica records an outbreak. No, there's no place to hide. Another headline from numerous sources. Quote, we're in a crisis from Joe Biden. He says U.S. needs to defeat climate change as he introduces team and priorities. In that report, President-elect Joe Biden on Saturday introduced members of his climate and energy teams in Wilmington, Delaware. Nominees and appointees, he said, would lead his administration's plans to address, quote, climate change, which he called, quote, the existential threat of our time. And he further said, quote, so many climate and health calamities are colliding at once. It's not just the pandemic that keeps people inside. It's poor air quality, end quote, from Joe Biden. Yes, Mr. Biden, how true that is. And when will you or any other occupant of the White House tell the truth about the single greatest source of unimaginably toxic airborne nanoparticulate particles, climate engineering operations? The list of new administration officials includes retired General Lloyd J. Austin III, who is being nominated to be Secretary of Defense. Austin is on the board of Raytheon Technologies. What unimaginable conflicts of interest in every administration. Every administration claims they're going to drain the swamp, and they all continue to fill it up, perhaps with different types of swamp creatures, but nevertheless, swamp creatures. It's all just different factions in a massive criminal cabal masquerading as government or governments all over the globe. Is China any better or Russia any better? Of course not. Of course not. And my railing against the U.S. government is not to condone any of these other governments. Governments are completely criminal by nature. They're cancers. They've been unchecked cancers for so many decades that now we face total collapse not just human civilizations, but the entire web of life, if we remain on the current course. Back to the Biden appointee for the Secretary of Defense, an individual that sits on the board 
of Raytheon Technologies. Raytheon is neck deep in the climate engineering operations. Raytheon and Lockheed Martin do all the weather modeling for the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration and National Weather Service, two agencies that have federal gag orders on them, by the way, illegal federal gag orders. This is the scheduled weather, and meteorologists all the way down to the local level are just reading scripts of the scheduled weather. What now? Where do we go from here? And that depends entirely on what each of us chooses to do or not to do. Life's a seasonal occupation at best, and the season isn't that long. When I was very young, I read the J.R.R. Tolkien books. The following nugget of wisdom was taken from The Fellowship of the Ring. This is the character Frodo speaking to Gandalf the wizard. And Frodo said, I wish it need not have happened in my time, speaking of the difficulty of the horizon that he faced, what was unfolding in the world. And Gandalf said this in response, So do I, and so do all who live to see such times. But that is not for them to decide. All we have to decide is what to do with the time that is given us. I remembered that from the time of my youth. It never left me. And yes, what will we do with the time that has been given us? Each must answer that question for themselves. Reinhold Nibur wrote this, quote, One of the most pathetic aspects of human history is that every civilization expresses itself most pretentiously, compounds its partial and universal values most convincingly, and claims immortality from its finite existence at the very moment when the decay which leads to death has already begun, end quote. The storm's not coming, it's here and unfolding by the day. It's going to get worse at blinding speed. But no matter how dark the horizon, no matter how great the odds are against us, we are still standing. And if we stand together, we possess far more power to turn the tide than rational thought could ever imagine possible. The first and most critically important leap forward in this fight is to wake the sleeping masses to what's unfolding and why. We must reach a critical mass of awareness. All of us are needed in this effort. Check under the activist suggestions link on the homepage of geoengineeringwatch.org to find out more about how you can help to turn the tide. Make your voice heard. Make every day count. Never give up. Our will can never be taken, ever. Until next week, stay strong, stay safe. This is Dane Wigginton from geoengineeringwatch.org.